Loitering in Wonderland Studios presents NyQuil and Cocaine, a face-off novelization. Chapter 9, Dainty Pinky Wave. I can't answer those questions. I didn't think so. I don't know if anyone can. How have you been since our last session? Uh, ups and downs. Sleepy one minute, too much energy the next. Well, this is a new development. Yeah, since I started writing that book I told you about. I remember you telling me about it. What's it called again? NyQuil and Cocaine. NyQuil and Cocaine. Mm -mm. I have to ask, have you been consuming both NyQuil and cocaine? It would explain the rapid mood swings. To know the movie, I must become the movie. I seriously advise against that. This is the worst thing you can do being in your state. The book is helping. I'd love to read it. Can you leave me a copy? Um, I only have the copy I'm working on, but I can read you a piece. Absolutely. I, I think it would help me understand more of what you're going through. Alright, um, this piece isn't released yet, but here we go. We cut from Archer abusing his nameless partner to Pollock's Troy sitting under a bright light wearing a lime green button-up shirt that he wasn't wearing when he was arrested. Either someone is supplying him with fresh shirts or the jail they're housing him in has very interesting and loud uniforms. An interrogator tosses some papers on the desk Pollock is sitting at and asks him about the intricate and unnecessarily animated and sexual schematics for the bomb. We see Archer, the slow clap starter, and human being CCH Pounder all watching the interrogation on a TV despite the fact that the TV is placed directly in front of the window of the actual interrogation room. They could watch the actual person, but instead they're watching Pollock's on a TV. That's like going to a football game and just watching the entire game on the big screen. This is the type of behavior you can expect working for a company that labels their phones like lunatics. Pollock states that he won't say another word until he speaks to his brother again. Unless they host a seance, it would be rather difficult to speak to Castor again. Pollock sees Archer watching him and gives a dainty pinky wave which looks like it's a taunt more than a greeting. Perhaps he's letting Archer know that he has information about him and will only keep his mouth shut if Archer plays along. A man that appears to be Archer's boss walks in and scolds Travolta for doing his job too well. The boss tells Archer that they won't evacuate the city in a hunch which enrages Travolta so he screams, I know Castor too well for this to be a hunch. What does this mean? Why would he know Castor too well? Were they friends before? What happened between these two men? Lovers quarrel? Business deal gone wrong? Travolta then tells his boss to run the goddamn bureau any way he likes, which is yet another instance of this movie having characters unnecessarily remind other characters to keep doing the job they know they have. Archer walks out and slams the door despite nobody reminding him to slam the door. Archer seems entirely too shook up about the loss of Castor. What's really going on? That sounds incredibly detailed. That section only covered... 36 seconds of screen time. What's, what is this book about again? It's a novelization of the film Face Off. Why? Because, because someone has to. It started off so simple, but it's become something more. It, while dissecting the movie, I, I've stumbled into something d disturbing. What would that be? You sure you want to know? I'm all ears. I first became suspicious in the opening scene. We see that Sean Archer is riding a carousel horse with a young child that, despite the creepy tone of the scene, turns out to be his child. Okay, I'm starting to regret advising you to continue riding this. Caster Troy enters the scene and pulls the sheet off of a gun. That alone isn't strange, but once we break it down, it gets a little stranger. Caster lays down and looks through the scope of a rifle. At first, it looked like Caster was up on a hill, but when we see through his scope, we see that he's really at the same level as Archer. I'm not seeing the problem. Let me finish, because this shit gets intense. Sorry, continue. So Archer is riding the horse with his child Michael facing him. They are both on an even base, so the child's head is burrowed in the archer's chest. Castor aims at Archer's back and shoots. The bullet strikes Archer right below the shoulder blades, but suddenly the hole is lower on his back, which will make the exit wound around his chest. The bullet strikes the child, but we don't really see where. Archer falls off the horse with his child tight, but when they land on the ground, the child is suddenly across the grass from him. At first I chalked it up to high wind or bad editing, but when we factor in the fact that the horse is covered in blood, it starts to make a lot more sense. 
It does? Oh, it does. Why does a blood-covered horse help this make sense? Can I finish? Later in the movie, we see that Caster's trying to flee on an airplane. Archer and his men rush the plane and make it crash into a hangar. A shootout starts inside the hangar, in which Caster is running off by himself. His brother Pollux is arrested before Archer enters the hangar, so Archer had nothing to do with the arrest. Archer is surrounded by his men at first, but seconds later he's alone. Archer screams at a colleague, Berkeley, to get down, and Caster hears this, so he shoots Berkeley in the chest. Archer doesn't even try to help the man afterward. Archer keeps chasing down Caster but runs into another colleague, which he again yells to get down, which causes Caster to shoot at that officer as well. Archer chases Caster and forces him to slide down the wing of a plane, which leads directly to another officer that Caster mows down. Eventually, they all get to the back of the hangar, in which we hear Caster offering more terrorism work to Archer. Archer turns down the work and eventually kicks Caster in front of an engine and kills him. And... That's just what happens in the movie. You have to listen and watch at a deeper level. Caster didn't kill Archer's son. Archer did. We see the case file for his son, Michael, in which it states that Michael died of a bullet wound in the chest, which passed through Archer's chest. Caster was level with Archer, and the child's chest was at Archer's belly button level. Was this a Kennedy magic bullet or something else going on? I don't think it matters. And you can't smoke in here. The death of a child doesn't matter? There simply isn't any way that the bullet caster fire could pass through both of their chests. This just leaves Archer responsible. Archer wanted his kid dead and wanted a scene that make it look like Archer himself was a victim in the whole thing, so nobody would suspect him. Archer clearly shot the kid himself or had the horses do it. Then, then threw the kid away from him on the way down to the ground to make sure the child didn't survive. Archer then must have faked Michael's records using his high-up connections. I, I mean, we, we already see that he changed the placing of his fake wound to better match the story. It started at his shoulder and then changed to his back. The bullet would have hit Michael in the head and we all know it. Back up. You think plastic horses were involved? Later we see Archer at home and he seems fucking miserable. He seems to actively hate being around his family. He seems sad all the goddamn time. Sadder than just losing a child six years ago. He seems like a man filled with guilt. The guilt of murdering his own child. He also seems incredibly sad when he kills Caster. I think he hired Caster to pretend to shoot him in the back so it looked like a hit, but in reality, he killed his own son. Or even worse, got the carousel horses to do it for him. Caster wasn't even pretending to be inconspicuous. He stands right up and throws a sheet off into the breeze in broad daylight in front of a bunch of people. And let's talk about those so-called eyewitnesses. Archer clearly hired actors to be witnesses, which explains why they don't react at all to the murder. They know it's not real. Something happened over the next six years that muddied the relationship between Caster and Archer. We see that Archer's career is taking off, and we see that Caster is committing more and more extreme acts of terrorism. Something about this makes Archer go after Caster. Maybe he just wants to tie up loose ends? He chases him down in the airport hangar, but he can't have any police witnesses in case Caster says something about their deal. Archer schemes a way to get his colleagues killed, leaving just him and Caster to fight it out. Caster taunts him by offering him more terrorism work, which Archer must shut down quickly before any other cops show up to witness. Archer kills Caster, leaving no witnesses left to expose the truth. <sighs> Except me. Why would Archer leave Pollux alive, then? He hasn't gotten that far yet. Pollux was arrested before Archer could get to him. The scene I just read you was Archer trying to get the Pollux to threaten him to be quiet about it all. He would have killed Pollux if he could, but he knew he wouldn't get away with it. He's stuck playing the waiting game, and it's making him freak out. You do know that Cage's character is still alive, right? Wait, he's... he's still alive? How do you know? I've seen the film. Right. It's a film. Have you not... Have you not even finished watching the movie yet? Uh, not yet. I'm still collecting evidence. Just finish the film and move on with your life. 
I think this project is consuming too much of your life already. I can't move on until I finish this case, alright? It's not a case, it's a movie. You're not a detective. Here, take this. I want you to get this prescription filled and take it as advised in the bottle. It will help with what's happening to you. <sighs> will do. And enough of this Nyquil and cocaine nonsense. The drugs or the book? <sighs> yes. I see. Thank you. Are you recording this session? What? No, th this thing isn't even on. It absolutely is. I can see the little red recording light. Uh, I'll see. I'll see you next week. I can't wait. Don't tell anyone what you know. This stays between us. Don't trust anyone. Legally, I'm not allowed to share it. Let's keep it that way. Until next time, and in the meantime, I'm Phoenix West. So long, citizens. Trust nobody. Go to these links here. Click on these things. Go to these places. Be that person that does that thing that I'm requesting. So long, citizens.